When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. I'm Craig Baird, and this is From John to Justin. After the very short term of Tom Rideout, Clyde Wells was ready to serve as the first Liberal Premier of Newfoundland since the days of Joey Smallwood two decades in the past. Clyde Wells was born on November 9, 1937 at Buckins Junction, Newfoundland, when the province was still a dominion of the British Empire. Wells was the second oldest of nine children born to Ralph and Maud Wells. His father worked as a railway express messenger and freight handler, and the family was quite poor. Very religious, their home was close to the Anglican Parish Church and the family was often involved in church activities. A gifted student, Wells graduated from high school at the age of 15 and then began working at a construction company and as a plumber's assistant so he could save money for university and his family. In 1959, he graduated with a degree in political science from Memorial University of Newfoundland, and while there, his professor, Mose Morgan, mentored him and helped influence him into pursuing a path in politics. Wells was also heavily involved in sports, playing goal for the university's hockey team. After finishing his schooling at Memorial University, he went to Dalhousie Law School and earned a law degree in 1962. His classmate for a time was future Prime Minister Brian Mulroney. Once he graduated from law school, he articled in Nova Scotia and passed the bar there. Then, due to his service with the Canadian Armed Forces Reserve, he was required to serve as a lawyer for the armed forces for three years. He served only one and bought his way out after two years. In 1962, he married Eleanor Bishop, whom he had known since their childhood. They have three children together. At this point, he moved into private practice in Cornerbrook in 1964. In 1966, Wells was elected to the Newfoundland House of Assembly and appointed to the cabinet of Joey Smallwood. Within two years, he split from Smallwood over how the party was run and joined John Crosby in resigning from cabinet. The split was over the come-by-chance refinery project. Crombie and Wells were extremely against the project, which they felt was a bad deal for Newfoundland. When they said they were opposed to interim financing for the project during a cabinet meeting, Joey Smallwood told Wells and Crombie to think about it for a few days. Instead, they drafted their resignation letters. Crombie would say of Wells that he had the courage of his convictions and was not afraid to express his views, especially against someone as powerful as Joey Smallwood. Later in his book, No Holds Barred, Crombie said, Articulate, intelligent, fearless, independent, and a good speaker, he had been a tower of strength during my leadership campaign and in opposition in the Assembly. He added that Wells was not an easy person to know and he rarely changed his mind once it was made up. 
1971, Wells left politics and went back into practicing law. He began to quickly rise in the province, and in 1976, he sat on the Canadian Bar Association Committee on the Constitution. The committee presented its report in 1978, calling for a constitutional change, abolishing the monarchy, changing the Senate, and changing the balance of power between provinces and the federal government. By 1987, the Liberal Party was looking to come back into power, after being out of power for a decade and a half. The party elected Wells as their new leader, and he won a seat in a by-election. In 1989, Wells led his party to an election victory, ending 17 years of progressive conservative rule in the province. The party finished with 31 out of 52 seats in the election, and despite leading his party to a majority government, Wells actually lost in his own riding. He was able to get back in the legislature in a by-election after Eddie Joyce resigned his seat. Good evening. Newfoundlanders have elected a liberal majority government. After 17 years of conservative rule, voters decided it was time for a change. And they tossed out Tom Rideout, who took over as premier from Brian Peckford just last month. But there's a twist to the story. Tonight's liberal victory did not include party leader Clyde Wells, who lost in his own riding. Brian Dubray is standing by in our election studio in St. John's. Brian? Well, Peter, over the last few days of this election campaign, everyone in Newfoundland was predicting a tight race, and that's exactly what we got. The lead changed town on several occasions over the evening. At several times, it was tied, but at the end, the Liberals scored a stunning upset victory. For the Tories and their new leader, Tom Rideout, who called this election just a week after taking over from Brian Peckford, they have to be wondering what happened. On a, on the, when they called the election, they had a 20-point lead in the polls. But tonight, it's obvious the voters of Newfoundland agreed with the theme of the Liberal campaign, and that was after 17 years of Tory rule, it was time for a change. We'll take a look at the totals now. The Liberals are elected in 27 and leading in one. That's for a total of 28. That's a 14-seat gain for the, for the Liberals. The PCs are elected in 21 and leading in three. That's a loss of 12. And the NDP were totally wiped out. They have no seats. If you look at the total of the vote tonight, the Liberals gained 10 percentage points. The PCs pretty well held their own. They only lost one percentage point, but the NDP vote totally collapsed. They lost 10%, and most of that, it appears, went to the Liberals. But it was a bittersweet victory for the Liberals. Uh, Clyde Wells, their leader, failed to win a seat tonight. He lost to uh, three for the Liberals. Uh, Clyde Wells, their leader, failed to win a seat tonight. He lost to uh, who was the deputy premier in Corner Brook. I wouldn't be uh, telling you the total truth if I did not say to you that I stand here with a little bit of mixed feelings at the overall results tonight. Well, you, you, you have to recognize that I would have felt a little bit better had we won Humber East. But that's only a minor delay in the overall scheme of things. Coming in as a leader, he was described as level-headed, intellectual, and principled, which many saw as a contrast to the fiery personality of Brian Peckford. It was Wells' hope that he would strengthen the relationship with Ottawa. Soon after becoming Premier, he created the Royal Commission on Employment and Unemployment, which worked to shift the provincial economy away from primary resources. The Meech Lake Accord was also a major issue during this time, and Wells was opposed to it, he said. I will not shirk at doing whatever is necessary to protect the long-term interests of this province, including withdrawing the approval if that becomes necessary. Wells' criticism of the Meech Lake Accord came from his belief that it would erode Newfoundland's status in Parliament, and he rejected the distinct society aspect of the accord that would be given to Quebec. During the 1990 First Minister's Conference, he agreed to accept the accord reluctantly. He did so on the condition that it be represented to the people of Newfoundland. 
Wells cancelled a scheduled vote on the matter after it failed to pass in Manitoba, though, when Elijah Harper prevented the province from ratifying it. Uh, the situation in St. John's now, the House of Assembly has finished its session and uh, Premier Wells is now standing by uh, in our studios or at the House of Assembly. There is Premier Wells now. Premier, uh, the Senator Murray now saying the accord is dead and he is pointing the finger squarely at you. I'm, so, I'm sure you saw on television the way he, he looked down at your signature on the document. Can I get your reaction to two, the two things? First of all, the accord being dead and the finger pointing that is taking place. I don't think the accord is totally dead. I think if there's any goodwill left in the country, they'll be able to do something still with the whole issue of responding to Quebec's legitimate concerns in an appropriate way. And I think we can do that. Premier Giz's comments that we can't start it on Monday morning or we're not likely to be able to may well be very valid. I, I don't expect that we'll be able to move very quickly. As to Senator Murray's finger pointing, He'd better be careful it doesn't point more directly at himself and the Prime Minister if he's being objective about or doing an objective assessment of the whole of the events. Newfoundland has a right to decide on the issue on the basis of its merits. The federal government, the Prime Minister and Senator Murray in particular have been doing nothing but trying to manipulate and pressure Newfoundland into making a decision that was contrary to its wishes, contrary to its best interest, as has already been determined. And as, they, as, as the people of Newfoundland have reassessed and as they've expressed time and again in recent weeks, and to try and put Newfoundland in a position, as Senator Murray did on television at quarter to three in this province today is offensive in the extreme. It is totally unacceptable. And if he thinks the Newfoundland people or the government of Newfoundland is going to sit idly by and accept that kind of treatment, he'd better think again. Wells was heavily criticized in Quebec and by Prime Minister Brian Mulroney over his opposition, but he was praised by English-speaking Canada. Crombie stated that his refusal to budge was a good thing when dealing with Smallwood, but not when dealing with the Meech Lake Accord, especially when it came at the cost of the greater interest of the nation. Crosby said, As a friend, he could be a major ally. As a foe, he was one of the most miserable people I've ever encountered. Clyde was one of the most stubborn beings alive. As Premier, the government of Wells reformed the educational system of the province, implemented economic reforms, and developed the province's first offshore oil field, and dealt with the collapse of the cod stocks of the coast of the province. Decades of overfishing had resulted in the complete collapse of the stocks, and the government imposed a moratorium on cod fishing on July 2, 1992. This immediately put 30,000 people out of work and ended a way of life that had lasted for generations in communities in Newfoundland. In 1992, the Charlottetown Accord was brought in as a possible successor to the Meech Lake Accord. Wells eventually agreed to the proposal due to the modified Senate reform aspect. In the end, the accord did not pass, despite Wells supporting it. During most of his time as Premier, the province also dealt with an extreme economic recession. In 1991, the Wells budget reduced government departments from 18 to 12 and closed the Ombudsman Ave. He also laid off 1,300 permanent and 700 part-time civil servants. He also imposed a one-year pay freeze on public employees. This caused a great deal of anger among the labor unions as it overturned agreed-upon salary increases for the 1991-92 fiscal year. The budget also cut health care funding by $37 million. Labor unions soon launched a Clyde Lied campaign. Well, ever since he was elected as Premier of Newfoundland two years ago, Clyde Wells has enjoyed a lot of popularity. But it seems wherever the Premier goes lately, he's being hounded by a group of very vocal critics. Here's Brian Dubray. 
The anti-Wells campaign is direct and very personal. Whenever and wherever Wells appears these days, a small but vocal group of trade unionists is sure to follow. They've even taken their campaign outside Newfoundland. Telling anyone who will listen that in his last budget, Wells broke election promises and broke his word by imposing a wage freeze on public sector workers after signing contracts with them. The coalition of unions behind this campaign says the Clyde Lied slogan is a direct attack on his national image as an honest, principled politician, when they say he worked hard to cultivate during the Meech Lake debate. The Clyde Lied thing was just a natural uh, extension for us, and, and it was uh, since he was portraying himself as something special, uh, we wanted to remind people that uh, he actually wasn't. So when 1,500 mayors and councillors from across Canada met in Newfoundland this week, the Clyde Lied crowd went to work. No thanks, I like Clyde. We'll be very satisfied to uh, to tell the Quebecers that uh, he's uh, contested here, even here in the, in his own province. At times, this attack on his integrity has seemed to get to Wells, but publicly, he dismisses it as an embarrassment to those involved. Method. I think they would have made a great deal more progress with the, the people in the problems with the government and with the people of Canada if they had chosen to deal objectively with it. In recent months, Wells' popularity has slipped some, but political scientist Steve Tomlin says the Clyde Lied campaign hasn't had a major I impact. Said, I think he will uh, overcome this in part because he's still probably the most popular premier in, in the country. Tell them all about the man called Lion Clyde. But these teachers, healthcare workers, and civil servants say they won't give up. They say this will be a long-term campaign, one that's aimed not so much at getting Wells to change his mind, but at getting voters to change their minds about Wells. Brian Dubray, CBC News, St. John. In 1993, Wells put forward a very harsh budget and he preached fiscal responsibility as he went into the election. He was returned with his party with a slight majority, but despite cutbacks, he never produced a surplus. However, it was the first balanced budget in the history of Newfoundland. The economic recession greatly hurt the popularity of Wells in Newfoundland. His efforts to privatize the Newfoundland and Labrador Hydro, saying it would remove $1.2 billion from the debt, was also criticized. Wells' popularity soon began to tank, falling from 71% in 1991 to 52% in 1994. The privatization was eventually abandoned completely in 1995. In January 1996, Wells retired as Premier and went back into private practice, he said upon his resignation. Being anonymous is a wonderful thing. I welcome a return to it. Two years later, in 1998, he was appointed to the Supreme Court of Newfoundland and then as Chief Justice in 1999. He served as Chief Justice until 2009 and in 2012 retired as a Justice of the Court. I hope you enjoyed that episode and our look at Clyde Wells. This is going to be the last episode for a little while. I'm going to be focusing on my main podcast, Canadian History X, as well as my first history book, which should be coming out in 2025. But I will be having new episodes coming. It's just going to be a delay of a month or two. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, CBC, Newfoundland and Labrador Heritage, Wikipedia, No Holds Barred. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media.
I'll include all of those links in the show notes.